The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. You're at the right place for the most practical, realistic, most current home improvement information you'll find anywhere. And, yes, we are going to have a little fun along the way because it's hard not to have fun when you have a co-host like my buddy Joe Truini. How are you doing this week, Joe? I was just going to say the same thing. How can we <laughs> not have fun when you have a co-host like Joe Truini? No, yeah, like Danny Yeah, Lipton. there you yeah. go. Yeah, no, we, Danny and I get along well and we love being on the radio. So uh, get in touch with us and we're happy to help out with any home improvement questions you might have. You know, we, we really do. I mean, all of us have challenges as a homeowner. I built a brand new house three years ago and almost every Saturday I'm doing something around here, not because I have to, because I get so much gratification out of it. I have one heck of a day lined up a very, very soon that, uh, I'm going to knock out a bunch of the little things around here that they could go without being done, but I'm going to tackle them. But if you have some questions, and there's a lot of opinions out there when you start searching around on the interstate, interstate, internet, and, and <laughs> you're, you're driving around with your windows down, driving around, looking for answers. Out. Yeah. Well, in, in Alabama, that could happen. You'd run oh, into Danny. You'd yeah. Pull, run I, him off the road, start asking him questions. I have had many a question asked of me at a red light. Let me tell you, you have to be <laughs> real, real quick on that. But we want to hear from you, and we make it very, very easy. If you'd like to send us an email, do so anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call the Today's Homeowner Hotline 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 800-946-4420. We've got a lot of information we're going to share with you. During this hour, we're going to talk about self-sticking flooring and what can you stick this to, and is it really a viable flooring? It's changed a lot over the years. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Cracks in concrete almost every week, but you can approach them in a certain way that that crack will not cause other problems. Also, cleaning a shingle roof, an asphalt shingle roof, probably the most popular roof out there. They do get a little dingy and dirty sometimes. Nope, you don't take out the pressure washer. There's other ways to clean it, and we'll talk about that. Also, we love all the emails we receive this week. We'll be tackling as many of those as we can. And also, Joe, what about that simple solution coming up in just a little bit? All right, Danny, we were talking about kitchen design and kitchen remodeling not too long ago. One of the most favorite features are kitchen islands. Seems like everyone loves a kitchen island, especially since more and more homes have that open concept where there's typically room for a kitchen island. But how do you know for sure before building an island or ordering one? So I have a really quick, easy design tip as a simple solution that you can make sure that island is going to be an asset and not an eyesore in the middle of your kitchen. Well, I have a very valid um, concern and important decision to making when you're designing anything, remodeling anything in and around your kitchen. You've got to have enough room for that. that right. Um, that the door to the stove and the microwave, all the different things. So that'll be a great, simple solution and very timely. Hey, something we want to try from time to time here on today's Homeowner Radio is a, is all about the trends, the headlines from todayshomeowner.com. You know, we really get an idea of what's on the top of homeowners' minds. 
minds when we see these different things. And also, there's a lot of uh, new information that's coming out all the time. One of the things uh, in some parts of the country, you're already seeing a few green sprigs of grass out there in the yard. Other areas, like up in Connecticut where Joe lives, maybe not quite yet, but still... Not, not yet, no. Yeah, still time to think about some of the things that you might be able to do to get a head start on springtime. Rake and remove thatch in your yard. That's something that uh, a lot of people don't realize, but you get a good aggressive rake, you can move a lot of that old yeah. dead matter out of your yard, opening it up so that the sun can get to it, the rain can get to it, and it'll grow um, even more. Also, Joe, this is a, a good time, uh, almost any time's a good time, but particularly um, early spring for um, yard aeration. That's something that people, some people I've talked to have never even heard of that, never right. done it. It can certainly benefit a yard. Yeah, it's one of the most important things you can do to a yard. And aeration is nothing more than punching holes, relatively shallow holes, three or four inches deep. And it removes what you want to order is if you're going to rent one is a core aerator and it pulls out a little core of dirt. It's about the size of like a piece of chalk, maybe a little thicker. Um, and when you run that along your yard, it'll pull it up and those holes will introduce air and nutrients and water. And, and really it gives your lawn a, a head start. And Danny, we've talked about this tip is if you're going to rent an aerator, check with your neighbors. Mm -hmm. You can split That's the cost. Right. And if mm -hmm. you, if you get even just three neighbors, Mm -hmm. And you, you know, aerate the yard, each of you aerate, you probably drive the cost down from close to a hundred bucks a day to 30, $35 a day. So really, and in a day is more than you could easily do three average lawns in a day. This thing, it's basically a walk behind power tool, like almost like a lawnmower or snowblower kind of thing. And uh, so that, yeah, aeration is very important. Also, good ideas to, um, uh, while you're at the home center, pick up a few of the little flags that you can flag all of your, if you have irrigation, of uh, all your sprinkler heads out there, put a little marker here and there right. or anything yep. else, because this is a pretty aggressive machine. You may also want to look at a ramp coming out of the back of your truck or however way you're going to transport this, because it's a pretty heavy, heavy duty machine. Another thing you might want your neighbor to help you out on. Also, don't just go buy fertilizer and start throwing it everywhere. Um, really um, talk with a local nurseryman in your area that really knows what works for yards in your area. Identify what type of grass you have and talk with them about a treatment plan, what would be best. Now, you may not even want to touch it, just hire a service, but you do want to ask a lot of questions to make sure that the timing is right on whatever they may be doing. Hey, another that, little head. What's that? Yeah, I was going to add one thing, Danny. Yeah. Um, you're talking about fertilizer. That's one product where more is definitely not better. Sometimes people will put out the recommended amount, and they say, this doesn't hardly look like it's any, you know, very little <laughs> fertilizer. How can that possibly help? And they dump too much, and what happens, of course, it burns and kills the grass. So you want to avoid that, too. Not only the right fertilizer, you want to apply it correctly, the right amount. Hey, here's another little tidbit we saw about a EEM. Have you heard of that? Energy Efficiency Mortgage allows no. homeowners to purchase or even homeowners to refinance homes that meet specific efficiency standards. The cost of the energy upgrades that you may want to do to your house can get included in this financing of the mortgage or the refinancing. So think about that, you know, that you're able to, um, it's a kind of a cool concept when you think about it, Joe, and nothing original but right. putting it together makes a lot of sense in that if you do need that um, new water heater because your old one is 
having some trouble with it or your new heating system, and you were able to include that, that can be a fairly costly improvement to your house, and you're able to add that to your mortgage, uh, and immediately you're starting to save money on the energy efficiency, and you're saving money on that part of it, it starts right. making a lot of sense in going ahead and getting these things taken care of. And you want to take care of them before it becomes an emergency because, you know, the furnace never breaks down in the middle of the summer when you don't really need it, right? So um, it always happens, seems to happen in the middle of the winter. So, yeah, if you can take care of it ahead of time, then, you know, you're way ahead of the game at that point. Hey, another thing to think about is, oh, we hear a lot about gas stoves. Well, just recently, uh, t people talking about gas stoves and it potentially causing asthma in children and other uh, indoor air pollution issues. Um, you know, they've actually had uh, the uh, a cleaner, more efficient burner for range hoods for over four decades. Right. But Where's it, has, it been? Why have they introduced it? I, I, I assume, at, at, you know, that it's... Uh, you know, probably more costly. They talk about um, it's harder to keep clean, the durability, and just the demand on it just never did make it to the market. So, right. um, you know, as people are starting to shift their thoughts about gas inside homes, I think you're going to see a shift in this technology and making this work as well. Well, you know, when the gas, man whoever's manufacturing, all the companies manufacturing gas ranges, you know when they're going to make that change, when people stop buying gas ranges. Exactly. Start, and so they're, scram they're, scrambling, ranges, right? they're scrambling right now, you know, to get everything right. up as quickly as they possibly can. So that's another thing to consider. And also, um, we're, we're seeing um, a little trend in design overall that um, people are realizing that they can get by with smaller spaces, less living living room space right. um, or less living space. You know, we started seeing the trend with tiny homes. You know, we saw that and um, there's, you know, you're seeing more and more of that, but people are thinking of quality more than quantity. And that trend is continuing with adding moldings and nicer appliances and right. things along those lines. But we've got a lot to share with you on this week's show and we'd love to hear from you, 800. 946-4420 is the Today's Homeowner Hotline or send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. You're listening to the Today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. This heard coast-to-coast coast on some amazing stations, over 350 stations currently airing the show, just like this one in Brownsville, Tennessee, WTBG 95.3 FM. Special hello to everybody there in and around Brownsville. Hey, we want to hear from you. If we can help you in any way, send us an email, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can give us a ring on the Today's Homeowner hotline, 800 946 4420. Right now, we're going to head to Pennsylvania. Al's on the line. Al, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house there. Hi, I'm thinking about doing uh, replacing my uh, linoleum in the kitchen, and I was wondering if you could install these felt-sticking tiles over the existing linoleum. It's pretty much structurally good, but it's very old. I've probably been in the house since uh, it was built, so that's my question. If it is possible, what would I look for in in, uh, in different brands that might be out there. 
Well, there's certainly a lot of different um, quality floors out there. When you're talking about the, the stick-on type tiles, um, you'll find that as well. There's some a lot better than others. I always say go in the middle of the road there. Don't buy the most expensive or, you know, the least expensive. Uh, some right in the middle of the road seems to always perform well on almost anything. Joe, as far as sticking that down over linoleum, certainly it needs to be clean and, and maybe right. even kind of degreased a little bit. But um, what, what other tips would you have for Al in a situation like this? Yeah, as long as the floor is really clean and flat, and it's not in, you know, it's in, not falling apart or anything like that. All you need to do is first vacuum it, of course, and clean it with a mixture of one gallon of hot water, just hot tap water, one cup of white vinegar, and then some a few squirts of dish soap is all you need to get it really clean. But you had said that this floor was original to the house, but I didn't, I didn't quite hear you broke up a little bit. What year? How old is this floor? Do you think? I think it's pretty much uh, been here since the house was built in the uh, early '80s. Early 80s. Okay. So it's not that that old. The reason I ask is because um, older linoleum floors often contain asbestos. And if it is, if it does, you don't want to be messing with it too much. Now, you could certainly go over it. Long, you can clean it. That's not an issue. But you don't want to be breaking it up or sanding it or anything like that. So you might want to do a, an asbestos test just for the heck of it. Although I think it's, I think they stopped using asbestos in the 70s. So you might, you're probably safe. Um, but yeah, you can clean it really well. As long as all the other tiles are stuck down well, you can go right over it. I'd probably try to avoid lining up the joints of the new tile with the old tile. You know, you probably want to overlap them just to create a, a more solid base. And as far as brands, there's two brands that I know of that make high-quality peel-and-stick floor tiles. One is called Floor Pops, P-O-P-S, Floor Pops. And the other end, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I think it's Acum. It's A-C-H-I-M. And, uh, and Danny's right. You want to buy a really quality one. The reason you don't want to buy a poor-quality um, peel-and-stick tile is that they're not square. And if you start laying these and button oh, them tight boy. together, <laughs> you're going to run into trouble. Suddenly, there's a gap, and there's no way to adjust these, of course. It's not like a, a traditional tile floor where maybe you can adjust the grout joint. There are no grout joints, right? So just make sure you buy the best one you can afford because you want them to be a square, each individual tile as square as possible. All right. That sounds real good. Uh, thank you for your information. Oh, of course. And, uh, I'll... Uh, I'll let you know how it turns out when I yeah, get Yeah, please do. Do that. We, we appreciate it, Al. Best of luck to you. Hope you have a great weekend, and uh, hope your project goes as smooth as you want it to go. Thanks so much for being with us. Hey, Joe, I heard heard a little story that came over. You know, we get so many great calls. And right. all that, um, And I've got one here that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, a gentleman um, had talked about an insect problem he was having at his, at his California home, had the pest right. control technician you know, come out, figured it was probably a dead animal that was stuck inside the wall because it, you know, continued to have insects there and it was smelly. Right. And so he cut a hole in the wall to find out. However, he had, he found something in that wall that he had never seen after being in this business more than 20, 20 years, thousands of acorns spilled out of the wall. Wow. And it appeared uh, whenever Squirrel you know, or something? stick his hand in there, soon right. discovered that woodpeckers had been pecking away and stored tens of thousands of acorns, which he said weighed approximately 700 pounds in a wall, in a wall cavity. So wow. that, and you think about that one or two acorns at a time. These these guys have been working pretty hard over the they years to, to do that. So. I'm surprised yeah. woodpeckers would be storing acorns. I assumed it had to be you know a flying squirrel, a regular uh, ground squirrel, or a chipmunk uh, or something. Yeah, wow. I think so too.
<laughs> Hundreds would, of oh, pounds of acorns. All kinds of information comes floating through. We do huh. get a lot of great emails as well. We'd love to get one from you, and you can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This one came in. A lot of people have asked this question over the years. This came in from Elizabeth that said, I need a product to kill all this stuff that's growing on my roof. We've tried weed killer, straight bleach, Joe Max, and nothing puts a dent in it. We're, we're, um, we're thinking about trying a strong salt water mix. Please recommend a product or combination of products that I can buy. The roof is pretty old, but in good shape. I think it, um, it might be slate. I thought she was talking asphalt. Well, if, if it, if it, if it's slate, we can tell you right now, do not get up there. You don't right, want to, yeah. you want to walk on that slate, but Joe, I have heard, you know, we don't recommend chlorine bleach very well, but I have heard that mixing chlorine bleach with water and putting yep. it um, on one of the hose in sprayers, you know, mm-hmm. set up to where it's a 50, 50 ratio. Yep. And then you can get on the edge of your roof, not on the roof so again, because the slate, but also almost any roof is dangerous when you're up there talking about wetting it down. But if you can get on the edge of it where you can shoot this hose in, a lot of these things will go as far as 30 feet, and you can just saturate an area of roof and let it sit there just a little while. Maybe go ahead and do the whole roof and then come back with just clean water and wash all of that off. Now, that, um, because, you, again, you can't scrub it with it being, uh, you know, a fragile roof like that. But uh, what other tips do you have for, for uh, Elizabeth on this, Joe? Um, you know, we, we hate to tell people to use chlorine bleach like that. Right, but I know. If you, you know, if you're careful with it and use it right, that's one of the most highly recommended things for to remedy this situation. Right. Because this is probably moss and mildew, and you know, bleach is what you need to kill it. We often recommend using oxygen bleach, and I'm, and I guess you could try that. I'm not sure it will work as well. It might, um, but they usually, as you said, a, a 50-50 mix of of chlorine bleach and water, or you can also use. I've, heard, I've not tried this, but I heard you can use chlorinated liquid, which is a pool, a swimming pool material. I guess oh, they yeah. use it to, mm-hmm. to shock swimming pool water, mm-hmm. and you can use that, and that probably works for the same reason. It's got chlorine in it. Um, and you spray it on, you basically have to wait several days. And the idea is that it's going to kill what's on there. It's like, okay, it kills it, but it's still on my roof. Now what? And then you'd have to come back and either brush it off with a long handled brush or, or, um, you can try shooting it off with some, with a water hose. The reason we don't usually recommend a pressure washer is you don't want to be damaging the shingles or shooting water up under the shingles. Um, and okay, so let's say Elizabeth gets this cleared off. Now what does she do? You know, what mm-hmm. prevents it from growing back? And it typically happens on the north side of the roof, Danny, where it's not getting a lot of sun. So you can try trimming down some branches and, and anything that's blocking the sun from hitting the roof. But often the, the, the best way to keep it, to keep moss and mildew from growing is to use either a copper or zinc strips, metal strips, up at the ridge of the roof, high on the roof. And the idea is when it rains, it washes, the, the rainwater washes over this copper or zinc strip and it releases some of those minerals, and as they wash down the roof, they will kill the moss or mildew. Now, those are sacrificial strips, and sooner or later, depending on how much rain you get, you know, it might take two years, might take 10 years, sooner or later you'll have to replace those. But those are very effective, been in use for generations. So that, that's the other way to prevent this from growing back. And, I, you know, I've heard t- people talking about manufacturers backing off on that additive in their shingles a little right. bit, maybe... It's a cost savings thing, but it seems like the newer shingles are having more of a problem than the older shingles for the same thing. But without a right. doubt, that sunlight hitting your roof um, is a friend, even though, you know, we 
we also, the, the school of thought of having trees that will block the sun from your house to keep your air conditioner bill down, right. but you just kind of have to hit a happy medium there because you don't want too much shade or it'll cause more mold and mildew. So you have to, like so many things, keep some moderation in mind on that. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about one of the self-leveling laser levels that a lot of people have. But this one will go up to 165 feet. It's brand new. We'll tell you all about it when we come back right here at today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And it's time for our best new product here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, brought to you by the Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know, there's a lot of jobs around the house that require you to extend a level line. You might be hanging some cabinets in the kitchen, building some shelves in a closet, or adding some molding in the dining room. The new DeWalt self-leveling cross-line laser level makes all those jobs a lot easier. It's self-leveling, so all you have to do is set it at the proper height, and the laser has a green beam so it shows up really easily. And the bright crossing lines allow you to align materials to a level horizontal line or a plumb vertical line. It can be mounted using the magnets on the back of it or with the quarter-inch 20-thread mount that works with just about every tripod that you might have. Now, there's no wires because AA battery powers it, and you can extend up to a the range on it now, 165 feet with wow. an optional detector. So you can pretty much take care of everything. These levels have gotten better and better, and DeWalt is proud to introduce that at the Home Depot. And you can find out more by visiting your Home Depot or by going to homedepot.com or drop by today's homeowner.com to find out more about this self-leveling cross-line laser level by DeWalt. Right now, we're going to get right back to the hotline, and we'd love to get a call from you at 800-946-4420. That's what Roseanne did. Roseanne uh, from Iowa, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on with that foundation around your home. Not much right now. I haven't been able to find <laughs> anybody to fill the cracks. <laughs> All right. Tell, well, tell us about it and, what, and describe it for us. There's quite a few cracks, but two of them are fairly wide. They should have been filled some time ago, but like I said, I haven't been able to find anybody to do, to do them. I, I think they have bigger jobs to do. What generally is done when you have um, a crack that's, a little bit larger like that is uh, well, several different things you can do, but probably the most common one is using what's called backer rod, and it's a foam type of material that comes in a roll, and half inch, three quarter, and you basically just squeeze it down into the crack with a putty knife, and you want to leave maybe about three-eighths of an inch below the surface of it, so you have it nice and stabilized, and that's used for the backing for your concrete repair caulk that you apply after that and then you can lay in sometimes you might use several tubes to fill up some of the pronounced cracks but the backer rod will will fill up the majority of that and unfortunately you you just can't get it to match the color it's always going to be a little bit of a color difference but it'll prevent any kind of moisture or anything else from getting down in the crack and it remains flexible so that if there is still a little bit of an expansion and contraction it won't crack out of there like a a hard concrete product but i think that's i think that's the approach i would take on these two cracks 
How do you spell that? Well, you just, uh, the backer rod fills it up for you. You just push backer that in. Rod? Uh-huh, backer rod. It's a very, very common thing. You can find at Home Depot and, you know, just push it down into the crack just a little bit, leaving it recessed down about three-eighths of an inch, and that's where you would put your concrete filler. Oh, okay. We tried just putting the, the concrete stuff in a tube in the crack, and it, it wouldn't stay in there. Yeah, well, that's why the backer rod will, will help it a lot. It'll adhere to it very well, and it'll keep uh-huh. it from just falling out into the hole completely, and, uh, and uh, that's... That'll take care of it. Then just keep an eye out on it to make sure that you don't have some real active movement that would be an indication of a more severe foundation problem. Oh, I don't want that. No, we don't want that at all. So, But um, you'll find everything you need right there at Home Depot. Remember, it's backer rod and then get concrete repair caulk. Okay. Okay. I think she's writing. We, we, we were doing it half right. We didn't have yeah. the background. <laughs> well, well, good, um, Roseanne. Best of luck on all of that, and uh, maybe you can tackle that this weekend, and you'll feel a whole lot better about it. We appreciate you being a part of the show today. Thank you very much for your help. All righty. Our pleasure. Thanks so much. And, well, we really appreciate all of our great um, listeners there in the um, Iowa area. There's uh, so, some of the stations there we've been on for over 10 years, and we appreciate each and every one of you. And as we always say, we want to hear from you. You can go right now to the Today's Homeowner Facebook page and post something or send us a, a question that we'll get to here on the radio show. And uh, don't forget about all of our podcasts. You know, you can listen to any past radio episodes, our daily tips for today's home and our weekly Ask Danny episodes all in one convenient place. You just search for the Today's Homeowner podcast on your favorite podcasting app. You know, Joe, we were talking about some of the kind of headlines and everything. Right, the trends. Yeah, that we've talked about from from, from time to time. And, uh, you know, the, we're talking about the energy efficiency mortgage, which I think is kind of cool, EEM as it's known, that'll allow you to refinance your house and include any of the improvements for energy efficiency. They've got good rates and real flexible on these type of loans. That's something, um, you know, to consider. And, and of course, you know, they're saying that, um, you know, things are not great right now because of the interest rates and people's concerns with the economy, but they say as we move into this year more, just a little bit of a drop in that mortgage rate, which is expected, will really fuel a lot of remodeling work, a lot of home improvement projects, and also help the kind of stagnant housing market. So uh, it's it's just seems so fragile in the way that they can move those numbers around yeah, just a bit yeah. and can have quite the ripple effect on it. And of course, we're coming up on the building season. I mean, you're in South Alabama, so you have a much longer building season than most parts of the country, certainly where I am in New England. Um, But, you know, as soon as it starts warming up a little bit, that's when you'll see an an uptick in not only new home construction, but certainly in remodeling. And, And the supply chains have been opening up too, Danny. I mean, you used to have to wait weeks and weeks for products, and maybe you still do for certain products. Um, But I think it's getting certainly easier to find lumber, although the prices haven't come down as much as we would all hope. Um, But even like roofing and windows and doors, you know, the, the timeline on getting those is much shorter than it was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was talking to some guys just the other day because uh, they were faced with a garage door, and they had picked one out. That was a nice garage door, nothing right. you know crazy. Uh, they said, okay, well, from the time you place the order, we should be able to have it installed in six months. And, <laughs> oh, and What are they supposed to do for the next six months? Yeah, and, and the person said, well, you, 
you said six months. <laughs> I know yeah. you were kidding. They go, well, no, I'm afraid we're not. And yeah. it's just like, you know, the, the guy, you could tell he was deflated because, uh, you know, nobody, I mean, what do you wait six months for these days? I mean, you know, nothing, yeah. you, you don't, you know, we, and we got so spoiled with that instantaneous being able to get things so quick and still, you know, a lot of things still amazing me that you can sometimes order something at noon online and right. it's, it's in your driveway the next morning. Now, wait a yeah. minute. How do, how do they, know. how do they do that? Hey, you're listening to today's homeowner radio. We've got a lot more information to share with you. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a simple solution coming up very, very soon. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to today's homeowner radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Tight Bond, the pro's advantage. We're so glad to be with you each and every week. We love getting all of the calls we get on the hotline, which you can do anytime, 800-946-4420. Also, we get some wonderful emails. Sometimes it's just an email saying, hey, I watch your show you know, or listen to your show, or watch your show, those kind of things. And we appreciate each and every one of them. We'd love to get an email from you. You can do that at right now, todayshomeowner.com slash as. That's what Jim wrote in here. and how to redo a wooden deck surface that was stained with a high-dollar product. It was cleaned and prepped according to all of the directions. I waited to stain when the wood would accept and not beat up the product, but it did not hold up at all. Some places look good. Others are almost bare. I need help. Well, <laughs> that's uh, I hate that because, you know, you, boy, you get those uh, that stain... Um, you know, on a nice deck and you think, okay, I don't have to do anything but enjoy this for a while. And then if you have challenges with the finish and it starts looking bad pretty soon, it really is kind of a, uh, it kind of hits your heart a little bit. Well, I guess the uh, first thing I would think about when I hear that some areas are doing okay and some areas are not, that I wonder if all of the moisture uh, if the moisture content was low enough that it would accept the stain because, you know, when you when you have treated wood, a lot of times they're using, uh, almost all the time, I guess, they're using pine. And sometimes the pine tree, you'll they'll be cutting into an area that's more dense than others, maybe the uh, center part of the tree versus outer parts of the tree. And sometimes that is very hard for it to absorb or allow the stain to be absorbed into it. Um, but, you know, most of the time, uh, let it etch a little bit. Let it get out there and really weather a little bit and then restain it with the exact same stain. After a little bit of sanding, you don't have to strip it all down. And this is all assuming it's a semi-transparent stain, which is what Joe and I recommend. But that can be pretty deflating in your home improvement um, attitude when you have a situation like that, Joe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking the same thing. I wonder if Jim used a solid color stain, because solid color stain, which we typically don't recommend, although it looks great as soon as you put it down, it, it contains much more pigment or color than a semi-transparent. And of course, if you have more pigment in it, that will wear off more readily because you have more of it. And obviously it wears off in some areas more than others because you're probably walking on those areas more. But yeah, so what can you do at this point? Let's assume it's semi-transparent. Well, yeah, I, I would just clean it really well and make sure that at this point it's really good and dry. Don't do it like if it rained within the last few days. 
because you're right. If it doesn't absorb the stain, then the stain's obviously not going to work very well. And don't over-apply it. That's the other thing is some people mm-hmm. just apply much more stain thinking that will be helpful, but it never is helpful because the, the solvent, whether it's water or, or mineral spirits, will, will um, evaporate and leave behind whatever pigments in the stain, and you wind up with a sticky mess you have to clean off. So just follow the directions and make sure, most importantly, Importantly, the wood is good and dry. Here's another email from Gerald in Virginia. Is a radiant barrier on the underside of a roof liable to create moisture issues? Is it worth the investment if you live in a coastal area? Um, Boy, I tell you, the the jury has always been out on the radiant barriers. I I really need to read up on some more recent studies on all of that because when I researched it before, it seemed like 50-50. Half the people were saying, nah, it's not worth the time. Others are saying greatest thing in the world. Any thoughts on that, Joe? Well, they're still selling it, and they're selling it by a ton. So I suspect it's not causing any problems, and hopefully it's solving some. For people who aren't familiar, radiant barrier is nothing more than a roll of paper, for lack of a better word, as foil on one side, and you staple it up to the rafters of a roof inside the attic. Um, And radiant barriers in and of themselves don't usually cause moisture, but if there is a moisture problem and you have a radiant barrier up, that could exacerbate the problem because it's blocking the moisture. And what they recommend, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but what the manufacturers recommend is if you're not 100% sure that there's absolutely no moisture issue and you suspect there might be some punch holes in it, cut holes in the radiant barrier, the foil insulation, to let some of that moisture out, some of that air out. You're reducing the effectiveness a little bit, but if you're only punching a few holes, I guess, what are you reducing it from 100% to 95% at the most? So I guess that's much better than having a moisture problem, certainly trapped under this paper and causing a problem with the roof deck itself, the plywood sheathing. But, you know, I've also heard, I don't know, you know, again, just uh, things that you hear from time to time, that it voids the warranty on your shingles. If it makes it too hot. They makes it too hot and it accelerates its um, demise. But um, I I don't know if that's true or not. I can see where it could possibly do that. Uh, But I don't know. I've got got to do a little research on this particular subject. Yeah, there's a lot to be... To, to, like you said, it's been around for a long time, but a lot of people have questions about it. And of course, it depends on where you live. Gerald is in where Virginia, so he's mid-Atlantic. You know, if you're way down south, maybe it would affect the shingles, but uh, the roof, and plus we don't know what kind of roof he has. If it's a metal roof, it wouldn't be an issue, but with shingles, you're right. It could be an issue. Hey, coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio, it's Simple Solution Time. Joe, give us just a little bit of a hint what we might expect. It's a kitchen island design tip. We'll tell you what you can do to avoid that particular problem when we come back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Always glad to be with you each and every week. And one thing we hear from the Today's Homeowner Hotline and the emails we get, we sure do love Joe's simple solution. So, Joe, it's good to be loved. Uh, So keep up the good work. What you got? (laughs) Well, thank you, Danny. (laughs) All right. If you'd like to install an island in your kitchen, and a lot of people are very interested in that, we are as well, Um, we aren't sure it'll fit because obviously if it's too big, it becomes an obstruction. And um, so if, if you want to make sure it'll fit, try this trick. What you want to do is build a full-scale three-dimensional island out of cardboard boxes. What you're going to do is stack and tape together boxes to replicate the cabinets, the base cabinets, then use large sheets of cardboard as the island top. 
And so now you can very easily shift this mock island around the kitchen, check the proper clearance spaces between it and the counter space, and the cardboard can then be widened or shortened as needed. And what I've seen a lot of people do is they, they take tape, like painter's tape, and they put it down on the floor as an outline of the footprint. And they look at it and think, oh, yeah, that's fine. That looks like it'd be about right. Well, that is, I mean, that's one-dimensional barely. With this tip, you get a three-dimensional view of it. And, you, and, and as I said, it's very easy to adjust it. Because the first time I tried this, in fact, we shot a simple solution of this. You can go to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions and see that video where the boxes were cut in such a way that I could slide them together and slide them apart. And, and so once you get this island built and it looks like it's right size, leave it in place for at least a couple of days and kind of walk around it and make sure, it's, again, it's not an obstruction to the kitchen. It's not blocking any traffic coming in and out of the kitchen or certainly around the island close to the countertops. And uh, also, while well, after you do that, um, you know, you can get a big magic marker. Oh, boy, little, here we go. <laughs> draw little windows on each side. Okay. Then you got to draw a door, take your razor knife and create right. a little door. And you have a playhouse for the kids that they will absolutely love. You know, oh, that's you, a good idea. You think back on, you know, when you were a kid or even nowadays, sometimes just an old empty box can keep yep. kids occupied for so long. I mean, you know, sure, they love their video games and they love doing all of that. But, boy, there's nothing like the simplicity of seeing a kid in a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> or or I, I can remember as a kid spending hours, my mom would just drape like tablecloths, I guess, over the kitchen table, over the, oh, yeah. the uh -huh. dining room table, pull the chairs out of the way. We yeah. just climb underneath there. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was just great, just hanging out. Yeah, I so I I'm still sure do that. Most, box. Yeah. most Friday nights I do that. Yeah, so. yeah that's where Sharon <laughs> says, "Go ahead, go under the table. I'll, <laughs> but, I'll check in. I check in on you later today." But yeah. I only did the campfire one time. It just kind of caused a little <laughs> indoor bit of a campfire smoke issue there, and uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to get those burn marks off my hardwood floor. But <laughs> other than that, I had a great, I had a great time. Hey, I want to remind you what you can see on the Today's Homeowner Television Show this weekend. Brand new show. We're calling a clean slate. This is where we go back to Chelsea's house and part of her um, ranch revival, Chelsea's ranch revival. We've already done about six or seven shows there. Got some fantastic response showing what Chelsea does in her own house. Now, she just finished a sizable kitchen remodeling project that took quite a while. She did it essentially all on her own with the help of my construction company, but she had the design, had the vision, she cracked the whip and kept everybody in, in, in order there, and it's an absolute beautiful kitchen, but it was time that she needed a little help on organizing her laundry room. So you can see how we took stock cabinets and made a world of difference there, as well as um, using some of the granite that she had put in her kitchen, a little bit left over. Uh, she's not going to let anything be left over, so she used that for a very interesting shelf. And believe me, when you have four kids like Chelsea has, that laundry room is a pretty important room in the house. Go to todayshomeowner.com right now. Find out where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show now in its 25th year in your neck of the woods. Hope you'll join us and uh, let us know what you think about this particular show. That's going to pretty much wrap up the first hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lifford here along with my buddy Joe Truini. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We'll see you soon.